Welcome to our once a week podcast entitled What's in a Hymn. It reflects on some of the hymns that God's people have sung for generations. Today we reflect on the hymn To God Be the Glory. This is another hymn by Fanny Crosby, the American hymn writer, who never let her blindness get in the way of serving the Lord. From 1844 to 1915, she wrote over 8,000 hymns and gospel songs. This hymn was first printed in the hymn book Brightest and Best in 1875. In 1954, Cliff Barrows, Billy Graham's song leader, was given a copy with the suggestion that To God Be the Glory be included in the songbook for the London Crusade. It was so well loved that he included it again later that year for the crusade in Nashville, Tennessee. With this exposure, the hymn quickly became well known to Christians worldwide and it is printed in most hymn books. I want to begin this podcast by referring to the Westminster Catechism, which states that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And this is a hymn that we take upon our lips from our hearts to do just that, glorify God. And so the hymn begins, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. And in this hymn, the giving God the glory is because of his great action, giving us salvation in Jesus Christ. So the hymn continues, so loved he the world that he gave us his son. And here is echoed John chapter 3, verse 16. We are then reminded of why God gave his son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin. Here is surely echoed Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. The word propitiation means that on the cross, bearing our sin, Jesus faced the wrath of God instead of us and paid fully on our behalf the debt we owed to the broken law of God. This word propitiation is not found in many of the more recent Bible translations, but there is, as in the NIV, the phrase sacrifice of atonement. The result of Jesus' atoning death, as 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, is to bring us to God. So verse 1 of the hymn finishes, and open the life gate that all may go in. The chorus, which is repeated after each verse, is very clear that it is God who has all the glory for our salvation. We bring nothing to our salvation. It is all of God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. O come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. The second verse begins, O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. The mention of blood is important because it is not merely the death of Jesus that atones for sin, but his sacrificial death. 
And in this verse, what a glorious promise is held out to the sinner who comes in repentance and faith, acknowledging that they cannot save themselves. Full and free pardon from sin. To every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. No wonder we are led to the chorus again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Verse 3 begins by reminding us that we have much to rejoice in day by day because of all that God does for us. Great things he hath taught us, great things he hath done. But our daily praise here on earth will one day give way to something purer and higher and greater as we see Jesus face to face in heaven. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. By transport, the hymn means will be carried away with strong joy, rapture, wonder and emotion in the presence of Jesus. Many of Fanny Crosby's hymns are a personal testimony. This one is not. It has been explained like this. Rather than being a song of subjective experience, this is a remarkably objective celebration of God's saving work in Jesus Christ. We take no credit for that work. To God be all the glory. Amen.